Good morning, my fellow Sith brothers and sisters, purebloods, cultists, rebel scum on the run, but most importantly, you, my fellow Star Wars fans. Going to change up the format just a little bit this week because I have not had a chance to do my second viewings with Bad Batch and Mando because of my work schedule this week so far. I went and saw John Wick 4 opening night last night on very little sleep. And today and tomorrow, yours truly has GalaxyCon. So there is absolutely no way, unless when I come home later on tonight or tomorrow, which I may probably be tired, I wanted to jump on and kind of give some of my thoughts and opinions on this week's episodes of. Bad Batch, and Mandalorian. And it's interesting because I had this conversation actually with somebody yesterday at work. A customer had asked me, I guess they saw my Star Wars tattoos and they asked, hey, you know, are you liking the new season of Mandalorian? And I openly admitted, I was like, yeah, so far it's been good. And I made the comment to them, and I've said this quite a few times on this particular little sideshow that I've got going, that social media does a very good job at spoiling things if you do not watch opening night. And for those of you like me where I do my best to stay off of social media until after I viewed, especially whether it be Facebook or Twitter. Twitter's really bad. And so I've kind of had to work around or play on Instagram or do something, you know, just to find something to entertain myself while I'm on lunch or audiobook, whatever. So. comment was made about last week's episode. And I wanted to preface this by saying and clarifying in case there was any misunderstanding, which I already got into it with somebody yesterday over this. I did not hate Last week's episode. I did not hate it. I also don't mind them trying to tell the Dr. Pershing story. I don't mind it. However, and I feel that I'm definitely not alone in this because I also was talking with a friend of mine who's in the 501st about it also because somebody jumped me from making the comment about 
glad to see Mando in charge of his own series this week. And somebody told me to chill the F out. And I was like, first off, <laughs> gatekeeper. Um, I just, this is why, with the exception of here and on the rare occasion in person, at whether it's at work or comic book play or wherever I'm at, and it just, happens organically and it's something that I definitely noticed in particular with the live action series of Obi-Wan Kenobi which it's something that I really noticed when that particular series came out and how there were people out there very quick to dismiss those of us who didn't necessarily like the series as racist because in their minds, if we don't like the series, then we don't like Reva being black. And that just, that was not the case. And I think that, and I guess there's just no other way around saying it, the fandom menace is it's ridiculous and if you don't conform to their belief or how they see things then you're immediately discredited as a hater or racist or whatever else I don't agree with that toxic mentality what I was trying to say last week and I hope and pray it came across was I don't mind the Dr. Pershing story. However, it felt very fish out of water. It was a different pace. There was a lot of depth to it. It definitely, and I've seen so many comparisons to the Dr. Pershing stuff to Andor. I definitely got that vibe and I've even rewatched it uh I've rewatched last week's episode actually one or two more times and it's a different pace and different kind of character building than what's going on with Mando I do not believe it is fair to have Somebody else hijacked the show. Now, reckon he was a part of last season. Both of them were. Ilya, Dr. Pershing. They both were. And they both have connections to Moff Gideon, which were buying time, waiting to see when the hell he shows up and to find out whether or not. He either escaped his trial or he, in fact, was played. We have no idea. But it felt like an entirely different show. And you have this 
cinematograph, you know, this, this movie like feel to this Dr. Pershing stuff sandwiched in between two segments involving Mando and Bo-Katan. It made no sense. And it took up a chunk of the episode. It felt very awkward. And that's not to go and say that I did not like it. I did not like the formatting. I'm all for telling a story and telling a bigger picture. So I'm all for that. It just, it feels like it belongs in a different show because the Dr. Pershing stuff, there is an audience and there is a time to tell that story. But I feel like a majority of the people watching come to see him and Grogu on their adventures. And now that Bo-Katan's entered the fold, and has been adopted by the Covenant. It. It just. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. So if I upset anybody. It was not my intention. But I just, I felt the need to, before I talk about this week's episode, I felt the need to at least get that off my chest. So, because we're already talking about Mandalorian, I wanted to first say, before I touch base on anything with this week's episode, I want to preface by saying I am about to talk about episode four of Mandalorian season three. So if you have not had a chance to view, please rejoin after you viewed. I do not want to be the one that spoils it for you. So if you continue, you have been warned. So this week's episode It was that going off of first impressions, it was like that, ah, he's back feeling for me. And I think a lot of that has to do with, and I don't even necessarily know if backlash is the right word because I've seen that word thrown around a lot in the last week because of last week's episode. But I was so glad to see, and, 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 I, and I feel like I share this opinion with the few that I have seen talking about this week's episode as well. I honestly did not mind that it was a much shorter episode this week because we got what we came for. And that was... Mando, Grogu, and Bo-Katan. Now, they are training on the beach. Or on, yeah, their little hangout there where the covert is. And 
Mando is encouraging Grogu to train with, I think it was uh, training pistols. And Bo-Katan standing with him, and it's kind of like this funny, um, how do I say it? It it does feel a little bit like a, I don't want to say a bickering couple, but Mando is very much a, well, I know he's young, but he has to learn if he wants to be a Mandalorian, and Bo's like, you know, at first she's like, are you sure about this? And then as she's strapping on the little, the the little bracer on his arm, she's like, eh, don't worry. You know, my dad did this to me too, you know, and, and watching Grogu train with this youngling or this foundling, sorry, that we will eventually find out is Paz Vizla's son. At first, Grogu, they they have where they take so many paces and then they face each other. And it's basically a, a who shot first, but it's with paintballs. And so the first two, Grogu, obviously, Paz Vizsla's son, completely takes round one and two. And then as he's looking back, Mando, who's standing behind him, he he's like, don't worry, do he's like, I know, I know what you're capable of. Why don't you know it's okay, you can show them. And right before round three, Grogu does this acrobatic flip over back over son and hits him with the one two three and takes the game or takes the 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 takes the win and it <laughs> Rogu looking back at Mando with and Mando just with this proud father thing it's actually pretty funny Bo's like, did you teach him that? And he's like, no, I he didn't learn it from me. And so after the training session is over, this ginormous, I don't even remember what the name of the creature was, little pterodactyl-esque. It's like, oh, hey, Jurassic Park. Um... <laughs> But this ginormous flying creature swoops in and picks up Paz Vizsla's son and starts flying away with him. And naturally, a group of Mandos go after the bird. And the bird... Outflies Vizsla and Mando, who are out front. They run out of fuel in their jetpack, and we see Bo Katan's ship fly by. Follow the bird. 
to the nest to find out where the nest is. Meanwhile, Bo comes back, tells everybody that she found the nest, she knows where it is, and organizes a hunting party. Grogu, of course, wants to go with them, but the armorer tells Grogu that he's too young and calls him into her lair to train. And as Bo, Mando, Paz, and a handful of others go on Bo-Katan's ship, out to scout the bird. Grogu is sitting in the armor's lair, watching her mold Beskar. And while she is molding Beskar, he has flashbacks to Order 66. And we also find out who, in fact, saved him from Order 66. And it is none other than our very own Jar Jar Banks character, Ahmed Best who I think initially people immediately thought they got him to play Mace Windu. So initially when you see him save Grogu and they manage to jump onto a speeder and they're being chased, when he's fighting off the clone troopers as they're trying to get onto the speeder, the lightsaber, when he ignites it, is a very bright light blue. It's not purple. So even though initially we may have thought it was somebody portraying Mace Windu, a.k.a. Ahmed Best, but we actually find out after the fact that he is known as the Jedi Ran Beck in Kelleran manages to get him and Grogu to a landing platform that we see. A Naboo cruiser, the same chrome silver ship, very similar, if not identical, to Padme Amidala's. As soon as they get onto the landing platform, they become surrounded and the Naboo fighters tell him to go ahead, take the ship. It's full of gas. 
There's plenty of gas to get to where you need to. So him and Grogu get on the Naboo fighter and go off. And manage to escape. As he's having this flashback, the armorer comes over and presents him with this Beskar. I'm not even what sure what piece of armor to call it. It's almost like this breastplate type. It's not as molded to the body, but I think that was done intentionally because he is so young. Because when the armor's, you know, pointing out, you know, how he's young and how he'll grow into his armor and points to the chainmail Beskar type shirt that he's wearing, she puts the breastplate medallion that has the mythosaur on it or the Mandalorian crest. And this little moment between the armor and Grogu, I actually liked because it, it gave a little bit of, and color to the character of the armorer who we don't really know a whole lot about who she is her identity and so when Bo-Katan returns with Paz Vizsla's son or I should say the group of them, so they've gone off on their hunting party. They stay the night underneath the nest, which is located at the, t- at the top of a very tall peak. They all separate to eat, and that way they can also take off their helmet. And with... Bo-Katan staying by the fire, it was even the dynamic between Paz and Bo, you could tell that there's tension and that there's history between the two of them, but when they finally get to the top of the tower and manage to take down the creature, or I should say, they're babies in that nest that <laughs> go after Paz. Mom is nearby. Mom swoops in, scares the shit out of everybody. And the group of Mandos that are there with Bo, Mando, or Din, they start going after the creature. They manage to get the creature down. And Mando comes in for the save as Paz Vizsla's son is falling, manages to catch him. And Paz Vizsla, you know, kind of looks at him and says, thank you. It's just that moment between even Paz and Mando. Paz is finally starting to come around. And so when they return to the covert, with 
Bo-Katan gets honored by the armor because she has achieved the highest honor that a Mandalorian can perform, and that is saving or rescuing a foundling. She lost one of her pauldrons going after the bird. And so the armor invites her inside and forges her a new pauldron. And the armor asks her, you know, do you want the owl or what would you like on your pauldron? Your your signet, what would you like? And finally, Bo-Katan comes clean to the armorer about what she saw in the mines of Mandalore. And at first, the armorer, and I'm not even sure if the armorer is just playing coy, because I talked about this last week, we don't know what the armorer knows. I still like the theory that she knew what was down there. Has protected what was down there for many years. And so when Bo-Katan starts telling her about this, it sounds, I think the armor interpreted it as a vision, not actually seeing one. But as she had a vision when she was in the water rescuing him in the mines. And how it's a very interesting vision to have. But the armor quickly tells her, well, you must be lucky. You know, that that's that's a, uh, I don't want to say omen. It's a very, it's a, it's a good thing to see. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. And the signet on her pauldron, she has a mythosaur one and a night owl on the other. The one that she did not lose. So her present from the armor was... A pauldron with the mythosaur, even though the mythosaur is a very co- common symbol among Mandalorians, that invites this conversation that we were kind of wondering when, in fact, Bo Katan was actually going to come clean and tell the armor about what she saw. Overall, I really loved seeing the series redeem itself and tell the story that we wanted to see. Because to me, the best episode so far was week two, and that was The Minds of Mandalore. That was To me, that was my favorite episode. I almost wonder, or I almost wish, 
that they would have kind of started out with that. But I understand the need to recap and kind of, you know, get everybody caught up to speed on everything. That I understand. But it was just a phenomenal episode. I liked watching Grogu train. I liked the Order 66 flashback that he had. And I also liked seeing the camaraderie between the armor, Paz, Bo, and Din. I just, everything so far is, it's been very smooth. And I could not be happier. So, without further ado, I am going to roll right into my Bad Batch discussion. So, if you have not had a chance to view this week's episode, and I believe we're up to chapter 14 now, I... Also liked this episode. And I liked that. It was. How do I say it? Crosshair centric. A little bit. I liked the balance between. What's going on with him. And what the rest of the gang are getting into. We also had. Some familiar faces return to the fold. And even the reunion between Echo and Omega, that scene, it just, it was amazing to see the group kind of reunite, even if it, you know, it's only been a couple of episodes. And I think even Echo had said that to her, but. We see this sequence in the beginning of the episode before Rex and Echo wind up on Pabu. And it is, they're flying around in space and go after a shuttle, or I should say, a lab. Or a a mobile lab of some sort. And it is to rescue a group of clones. The action sequence in the beginning with Echo and Rex, Echo using his arm to try and get info off the the data pad or data recorder. They manage to escape and reconnect with Rex and hyperspace the hell out of there. Of course, the data that Echo did retrieve was encrypted but echo mentions he knows a guy and that's where our compatriots reunite with the rest of clone force 99 in pabu tech manages to decrypt the data and they Do not discover where the ship was going, but they do know its purpose and what it it typically carries. And they're trying to figure out 
what exactly they're trying, you know, is this, this is, this, this does not sound good. What we've found this, there's, we need to know what's going on. Meanwhile, Wrecker is living his best life fishing. It's just that part of what's going on. It it really it's such a breath of fresh air to see that it's the the moments of action, and then you've got just this complete serene. Um, it's just it's such a feel good, even though the stuff going on with crosshair stuff here, which I'm about to get to, even though his stuff going on is 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 really intense but overall i love the balance on bad batch this week as well so crosshair we see on tantis mount tantis he is being he wakes up obviously we the last time we saw crosshair he collapsed on the runway after shooting lieutenant nolan and we see amory or emory dr hemlock's second in command you know, saying, hey, you know, don't fight it. You know, you do well to comply. You know, the doctor's on his way. And Dr. Hemlock comes in and talks to Crosshair about how, kind of gives him this proposition, wanting to know what does he know or uh, he, he wants him to go after Clone Force 99. And that they have something that he wants. And Crosshair immediately deduces that it's Omega. Or the the little girl. And how they're not going to give her up. It's interesting to see this fight with within Crosshair. And how he is slowly converting over. And it's also unfortunate that he's kind of accepted his fate in a sense to save his, to save and protect his friends and how he feels to me in a way he feels like he deserves this. And he gets injected in the neck. He wakes up, he ends up stunning uh, Emery and tries to escape. And when he gets into the command center, he manages to send out a message. Plan 88. And it is the seeker 
he gets gassed, he gets taken out, or he gets knocked out, I should say. He doesn't get taken out. He gets knocked out. And when he wakes again, he gets injected with an even bigger needle (laughs) and even more of whatever Dr. Hemlock's injecting him with. And says that he would do well to comply. Plan 88. The message that Crosshair does send out is received by the Bad Batch on Pabu. It is a tactical code that they immediately identify that it's used by their group, which signifies that they are being targeted and that they need to hide, that there are people after them. And the look on everybody's face even is, I think the look on Omega's face in particular kind of says, you know, is very telling. And they are torn, or just this kind of, we need to go help him, we need to find him. But also trying to interpret his message that there are people after you and that you need to hide. They don't know who's after them. They don't know what they want. And so I really wonder if that's how they're going to end the season with either Omega getting captured or something something happening. I think Crosshair got pretty far the first time. I definitely could see him escaping Mount Tantus. I think that he's proved very resilient to whatever Dr. Hemlock is injecting him with that obviously doesn't work on him like it works on the others that he's tested because in this facility when Crosshair is making his way through the compound we see other clones kind of being tested and Dr. Hemlock's work still being conducted. And even the cameo with Governor Tarkin talking to Dr. Hemlock about not failing and the attack on the ship being intentional and one ship got away Clearly, whatever Dr. Hemlock is up to, the Empire, it's kind of this dirty little secret, the Empire does not want the world finding out what they're up to on Mount Tantus. The question is, where is 
Nala Say, who last I knew or last we knew, she's still there in captivity. And with them looking for Omega to be the key to get her to comply. Oh, man. But this week's episode as well, which I actually watched. I did Mando and then I did Bad Batch this week. And I actually, I was not disappointed by either of them. I really enjoyed them. And I love the story that they are trying to tell. So tell me what you think, my fellow listeners. And I want to thank you guys for joining me on my little hot take episode of Bad Batch and Mando. That is going to conclude the episode for this week. I've got lots to do, lots to see. I'm going to, at some point, either this weekend or next week, because I want to have time to talk and meet John Jackson Miller and kind of poke his brain about the KOTOR series that we are reviewing. I actually had wrote down some questions for him, just thoughts, feelings, opinions on stuff, and just kind of see, because... (laughs) I'm going to be that person. I can already fucking tell. Uh, I remember when I came home this morning from watching, well, actually it was pretty late last night. When I came home from seeing John Wick 4, running on little sleep. It took me a couple hours to finally doze off, but I guess my brain being overstimulated from all the action from John Wick 4, I started going through my epic collections and my omnibus that I want to get signed by him. And I want to conclude the KOTOR series after I've had a chance to talk to him. So that will be coming next week. If I'm not mistaken, if my math is in fact right, I believe Bad Batch will be our final two episodes. So I'll have to try and figure out. I definitely think, depending on how the Bad Batch, because it is the conclusion of season two, I think the episode may or may not be too long to try and cram in two episodes of Bad Batch in one episode of Mando. So I'll have to see how I do with viewing them next week and then get back with whether I release two separate episodes and put off the KOTOR one one more week. I'll figure something out because I don't think trying to record three different episodes would be wise or I just I don't know if I would have the time for it. So keep an eye out. I'll keep you guys posted. But definitely Bad Batch and Mando will be coming next week. I want to try and stay on top of that with you guys. And then coming down the pike soon enough, we will conclude our KOTOR review with some John Jackson Miller feedback. 
So thank you again, guys, for joining me. I'm going to go ahead and get ready for GalaxyCon. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, may the force be with you.